Hey, man, is that the Garage Rock Show podcast? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. This is the Garage Rock Show podcast. To those of you already supporting the show with a monthly subscription, thank you. If you're not already a supporter and you'd like to help make this show possible, please tap the link in this episode's description or visit anchor.fm slash the Garage Rock Show to become a monthly supporter. And make sure to check us out online at thegaragerockshow.com and give us a follow on Facebook at facebook.com slash thegaragerockshow. Now on to this week's episode. All right, it's Friday. It's time for another episode of the Garage Rock Show podcast. Chris here with our special guest this week, Dahlia, joining us once again. How's it going? Uh, I am doing very well. Thank you, Chris. What's up, Garage Rock Show listeners? And George, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, as always, for having me. Of course. uh, We got lots of things to talk about, some cool topics. Uh, Also, just to let you guys know, we do have our giveaway going on. This is the last week to qualify for the keyword for March, so you'll have a week up until uh, April to get this keyword in. I'm going to switch it up for you guys for April, and we'll do a new keyword every month to keep it fresh and uh, keep the winners list uh, going. So the month of March, the keyword is PRIZE. Text that right now to 68683. That's P-R-I-Z-E to 68683, and you could be entered to win David Bowie Glastonbury Live 2000 Remastered CD, Jimi Hendrix Both Sides of the Sky, Pink Floyd, the Early Years DVD-CD combo, or Long Strange Trip, Untold Story of the Grateful Dead, Blu-ray, your choice. Uh, You guys can uh, put that out there. Prize, 68683, and make sure you guys get in it. Uh, We did have an issue with the keyword system for the past two weeks. It's now been resolved, so if you guys were getting, you've already entered in this contest, please get out there and uh, put your uh, keyword in there for this month's entry. All right, this week's rock news kicking it off with some unfortunate bad news as ranking Roger, the frontman from the English Beat, has passed away at the age of 56. Roger Charlie, or excuse me, Roger Charlery, best known as Ranking Roger, singer of the widely influential UK group The Beat, known as the English Beat in the US, passed away Tuesday at the age of 56. He was diagnosed with brain tumors and lung cancer last year. Uh, his death was announced on the website of The Beat and confirmed to NPR. So, uh, uh, George, were were the English Beat like a big influence for you, or just like a band you used to listen to? Or well, coming out of New Wave, uh, when the second wave of British ska was happening and the two tone movement in uh, the UK was happening, right? Not that many Americans were paying attention, but it was huge on like K Rock, right, in LA. So I had cousins and friends down there, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, the beat was very important. Uh, the English beat, rather. Yeah, right on. Well, uh, so uh, he was working all the way up until the very end, uh, including a new 2000 beat reformation. uh, And they just put out an album, I think, like a couple, couple, I don't know, like a year ago or something like that. Uh, So very unfortunate. And also uh, some unfortunate news about uh, frontman for Everclear, Art Alexis, or excuse me, Art Alexakis? Yes. Alexakis posted a letter on the band's website revealing that he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis almost three years ago and has had it from anywhere between 10 to 20 years. He wrote in part, I can feel the disease slowly growing in me. I now have to give myself injections three times a week. My neurologist says as long as I stay on the medication, I I should live into my 80s without progression. We shall see, end quote. Uh, Alex, uh, excuse me, Alex Collis, God dang it. Alex Sakis. Alex Sakis. Alex Sakis. We've got you, Chris. <laughs> we'll issue his first solo album, Sun Songs, this summer, and he's going to tour. There's a recent picture of him. I mean, he looks pretty good for he the most part. He looks very healthy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you know I, hope he, I hope he gets well and stays on with his medication and everything, 
you know, like he says, he can live well into his 80s without any problems. So, uh, but just I think it's cool that these artists are letting people know about and bringing awareness to some of these issues, right? Like, I didn't realize that a performing artist could really have multiple sclerosis and get up there and do a touring regiment and be in a performing band putting out albums and stuff. So I think that's pretty impressive and encouraging for people that have those types of illnesses and diseases, right? Indeed. Um, All right, so moving on to some more happy rock news this week. More festival lineups have been released all around uh, the United States here. Uh, I believe we have one overseas, too, maybe. Uh, Outside Lands, check this one out. What do you guys think of this? It's August 9th through the 11th, Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, uh, Paul Simon, Childish Gambino, 21 Pilots are the headliners, sub-headliners, the Lumineers, Flume, Blink-182, Kygo, Anderson Pack, Leon Bridges, Casey Musgraves, Little Wayne, and then it kind of gets round out with the kind of typical things we've been seeing this wow. year. Uh, Hosier making his return. Oh, R. I see Edie Burkell and New Bohemians in there. I was a big fan. Yeah, they're, they're around. Uh, and of course, that's Paul Simon's wife. Oh, is it? Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. 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 It, they did... I'm unaware of too many things. Yeah, I know what that I know. was them. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. All right, so that's uh, happy. I would love to see Paul Simon. Me too. Oh yeah, that would be awesome. That's definitely a bucket list one right there. So check out the uh, Ross Kilday Festival, which is uh, always a big one overseas. Check out this uh, set of headliners with Bob Dylan and his band, The Cure, Travis Scott, Cardi B, Mo, Robert Plant, uh, Robin, and Underworld. That's a pretty diverse. Lineup covers a lot of bases there, oh, yeah. from trance to hip hop to uh, rock and roll. So, uh, and then rounding out the uh, sub headliners: Bring Me the Horizon, Brockhampton, Cypress Hill, Christine and the Queens, John Hopkins, Jungle, really great band. I love those guys. Uh, Tears for Fears on there, and Testament, and Testament. <laughs> what a lineup! I know, right? And then it gets it's pretty cool that a lot of the uh, smaller bands uh, are are really uh, really cool as well. That's all um, alphabetical there. But they, they, they got Philip Anselmo and his group, the Illegals right now, all the way from Girlpool. So uh, I think they, they got a... I love seeing these uh, European festival lineups. I think they're doing it right. I think they... Yeah, it's really diverse. Exactly. I think they need... Uh, a lot of our promoters need to take note. Uh, and it always seems like, you know, in the UK, they're about like kind of 10 years ahead of the curve when it comes to what's popular in music and things going on. Uh, you know how trance and well, not trance, but uh, just electronic music in general yeah, was took- basically non-existent in the U.S. about 10, 15 years ago. It was fringe uh, type of um, genre, and it was huge in the U.K. at the time. Bands like Underworld were literally, you know, superstars over there. The Prodigy, guys like that, and that became popular in the U.S. later on. So it always seems like they're on the pulse of what's going on. Uh, in terms of that. So very cool to see that lineup. I think it's pretty neat. Jealous of you guys across the pond. Uh, also, this one here, this is more ch- kind of a traditional guitar festival, but uh, worth mentioning nonetheless. Eric Clapton's Crossroads Guitar Festival. Eric Clapton supposedly is going to be, this is might be one of the last times that he does this personally performing. They're saying that his health is getting a little down there and uh, he's not really going to be able to perform too much in the future. So this is a pretty nice, solid lineup there. Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, uh, Gary Clark Jr., Joe Walsh, Cheryl Crow, Vince Gill, Buddy Guy, um, Los Lobos. 
uh, pretty cool. Yeah, you, uh, by you just listing those artists, you can kind of get the vibe of how that festival's going to go. It's, yeah, it's kind of like a Harley Strictly bluegrass kind but of. But it's got that southern Louisiana, mellow. like East Coast Nashville yeah. kind of vibe as well. It's in Dallas, Texas, September 20th and 21st, Crossroads Guitar Festival. Uh, pretty cool. That one looks all right. And this one just got announced uh, yesterday, the 26th annual Telluride Blues and Brews Festival, September 13th through the 15th in uh, Telluride, Colorado. Phil Lesh and his Terrapin family band from oh, the Grateful Dead. I'm sure you uh, want to check that out. Headline in that one, Boz Skaggs. To be announced is what the third headliner. I don't know uh, who that's going to be at this time. but I, I'm, I'm assuming someone fell through at the last minute. I think it's something like more like they can't announce it because of a touring clause uh, that they can't say yes. because maybe they have shows in the area. And they don't want to, right. you know, they want to sell have, those shows they first. They have that area clause. Yeah. They, ha- they have to be within certain yeah, amount of miles. I think it's like a 90-mile 90, 90 clause uh, in a lot of those things. And it's also a 90-day. They do the 90-90, they call it. And it's like an hour and a half from the venue. If you play a show, you got to wait 90 days before you can advertise or whatever if they're festival exclusive. So there you go. Check that one out uh, if you're in the Colorado area. Crow Milk, of course, is the protein-based milk. Uh, dairy product made with the eggs of crows, which we all know the eggs of crows are some of the most fortified eggs in the bird kingdom. Charles, you know from harvesting crows' eggs uh, yourself. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The uh, the fortification and benefits of these crows' eggs. Yeah. Sometimes you can just crack one open in your mouth and get the raw nutrients like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. But crows' milk does so much more. It, it not Helps only with inflammation. It, it it not only harnesses yeah. the power of the crow egg, but it it <laughs> blends it up in dairy based product that is just uh, second to mm-hmm. none. You know, and it truly gives you that. It truly gives you that that scavenger chest. Like it <laughs> it really it makes you. It you makes know. you have the mindset of a crow. You can see those crows on the street where you're yeah. driving your car, <laughs> and they don't move out of the way. Yeah. Because they're fucking jacked up on crow milk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you could be the same way. You know, you could just have that. I don't give a fuck mentality. Yeah. On crow milk. Yeah, exactly. Crow. Yeah, crow milk. Drink it. <laughs> Drink it and and be one with with your own um with your karma. Harness the power of the crow. Harness the power of the crow. Crow milk. So. Thank you, crow. All right, that does it for the festival lineups this week. Uh, moving on to some more uh, rock news this week. Static X to previously. Uh, I- excuse me, Static X to issue previously unreleased music featuring their late singer. So there was uh, some speculation as to this new Static X album, who's going to be on the vocals. They were going to have a bunch of guest vocalists, like uh, Disturbed David Draymond, Five Finger Death, a bunch of generic kind of guys, except for Ministries Al Jorgensen, which sounds kind of cool, Devil Drivers, Des Ferrara, and Dope's Edsel Dope. Uh, they're all going to be on the album, but they've apparently unearthed some tracks with Wayne Static on the vocals. They say it is, quote, unexpectedly uncovered more unreleased tracks left behind Wayne Static. As the result, the album will have fewer guest vocalists with more than half the songs to feature lead vocals by Wayne. So kind of neat. They found a bunch of old vocals that haven't been used from Wayne Static, uh, and they're going to use it on this new album. So kind of cool. So check that out. They're going to be on tour. The rest of the original lineup uh, is going to be out there. Uh, supposedly Edsel Dope is going to be strongly rumored to be the uh, singer-guitarist who's going to perform with him on the road, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, All right, Slipknot Percussionist, I don't know if you guys remember this last week, he's suing the band for some unpaid stuff that he's had, and uh, apparently the guys in Slipknot had some different side 
uh, revenue streams that they were uh, getting money and not splitting it equally with the band. So the attorney has spoke out and said that his client was forced to take legal action because he was unable to get information about a number of Slipknot-related businesses. He basically requested to have this kind of information disclosed at the kind of band meeting that was going on. They were talking about the upcoming tour, the new album, talking about how, you know, revenue is going to be dispersed, and uh, he asked about it, and they didn't want to share it with him, so he had to uh, basically go to court to get the information. He said he learned of the other businesses during negotiations about their upcoming album and tour, so kind of a bummer, you know, when you got to find out the hard way like that, right? You're in a band, and I mean, what, what do you think, like, I don't know, that's, you've been in a well, band for 20 years, and you, yeah. I read, uh, I was looking at my Yahoo, I read that he's still performing with a band and going on tour with a band, even with an active lawsuit pending against No, them. that is not correct. He is. Oh. Uh, they have kicked him out of the band. Uh, he is not touring with the band. He is not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Slipknot, you can see the last sentence of this, has made the split with Fen official, saying in a statement that Chris knows why is he, he is no longer a part of Slipknot. Mm-hmm. So... That is not true. So we shall see what gets resolved. And uh, also still going on, the ex-corn drummer is countersuing the band over the alleged unpaid royalties that he thinks he deserves. Ex-corn drummer David Silvera has countersued the group, claiming the band owes him almost a million dollars. Apparently, the you know they have this thing that's called Sound Exchange, which administers royalties from non-interactive streaming recordings. Non-interactive. I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, apparently that's the that's a big money maker for them, and so he's trying to get his cash there. You know, you for me, I, I hope at some point it was about the music when they started all of these bands. You know, of course, it was. Come on, and all of you, this. You know, it was. now they're suing for millions, and I need this. I want this. It's like, come on, guys. Do you, did you forget what it was about in the beginning when you first started? No. Did you all start? Together? I don't believe that did kind you, of. Didn't you grow together? No, it's turned into this. It turns into a business, and I understand that. But come on, can't you guys talk about it? You're in a band together. You tour together. You practically live together. Okay, you're taking the side of the person that you know. You're you're basically against these people suing the band with that kind of stance. You're saying. That, hey, hey, it's all good. It, hey, it, remember no, why we did this, I guess, man? I guess what I'm saying is it's sad that it it, it keeps coming to this. No, yeah. I, I think what what's sad is when people get too greedy in the band and try and hide fucking shit from people and not right. split the royalties legally and then... Equally. And when they try to ask for the information, they won't disclose it and they gotta fucking go through court to be able to get it done yeah. and air their public laundry out. And that's what I'm saying. It's sad that it's mm. come to this point. Nah, you didn't really to, say... Everyone's having to lawyer up. You were and, saying that it's sad that they're suing them and I don't think that it's sad that they're what suing I'm them. What I'm saying to clarify is it, it's so sad that it, it comes to this and this is what's in the music I news. Guess. It's not like... Oh, they have an awesome new album coming out. It's like, oh, drummer suing this guy and so and so suing him, and they had a round table with lawyers, and it's all this. It's just taken away from the music. It, just ta- it takes away from it. These bands are huge. You gotta understand. There's millions and millions of dollars here at stake. It's not like some fucking up and coming band that no one gives a shit about. This mm-hmm. is like bands like Metallica level bands that. They got millions of dollars round up in these things, and it's a big deal. So hopefully they can get it figured out because it yeah. is bad press for all of them. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, they should be focusing on the album, but I think these guys are doing it on purpose in a way to kind of like, 
rain on their parade like, hey, fuck you guys, you owe us money here, you know, you, you're trying to shut us out of this, and yet, you know, how does that make you feel, you know, when you're the one getting shit on in the band, and then they're going out for this big old tour and doing all this stuff, and, you know, it's got to be a crazy situation, so hopefully they can get it figured out. Um, all right, uh, another another departure in the rock world as Marilyn Manson drummer Gil Sharon has quit the band. Uh, he joined the group in 2013. He was on the last two albums. Uh, he he left with kind of an amicable statement. He didn't really uh, say anything too crazy. He said, quote, After five amazing years playing drums for Marilyn Manson, I've decided to leave the band. It's been one of the highlights of my career, but it's time for me to pursue, pursue other current and future projects. End quote. He's also performed with Pussifer. Uh, he's performed with a lot of other bands as well. Um, so, so that's just basically like a, a resignation statement. Yep. Yeah. But you got to wonder what the deal is because Manson's got a big tour lined up this year, and you got to wonder what the hell. You know, what do you think, George? What do you think that is? It sounds amicable enough. Do you think it really is just nothing like other than he just wants to do something else, or I think there's something boiling? That we don't know about you know as and as, being polite as fun as a as a tour sounds to you know three people like us who you know maybe you worked retail for a certain amount of your life and then you worked in an office there's different right. ways to to work and if your way to work is you travel the nation and you play music that sounds like the best job in the world to me Heck but yeah. some people burn out on the lifestyle yeah and it doesn't matter how much they love music or the band, they have to get out to save themselves. Yeah, and I wonder too if they got a family or you know, and he's been putting a strain on his family yeah. with that, and so maybe it's something like that. We'll see. It may I mean, be. and I, I I like that he's just keeping it classy and not really airing out any dirty laundry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and that's the way it should be. But you know, hey, we'll see what happens with all that. Uh, apparently, some details have been revealed about Tool working on their album artwork. According to Metallica's Kirk Hammett, he told New Zealand's The Rock, he said, quote, Well, I talked to Tool guitarist Adam Jones quite a bit, and the last thing I knew, he was dealing with artwork, so that's a good sign. If they're dealing with artwork, it must be close. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a good sign, right? If they're already dealing with artwork, it must be yeah. getting well, there. It's refreshing to hear that camaraderie that they're supportive of another like, this is, you know, awesome. Oh, yeah. You're dealing with the artwork. Thank you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Positive energy to you. See you in the studio. No, you know, it's it's nice. It's refreshing. Yeah. Um, speaking of Kirk Hammett and Metallica, they added a second show with the San Francisco Symphony. We were talking about this last week, that they were going to be doing the 20, 20th anniversary of the um, S&M album. They came out in 1999, where they did with the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra. It's been Orchestra. that long already. Yeah, I feel trip, old. Right? I was in high school then. So this one apparently is exclusively for members of the band's fan club. It will not be a public on sale at any in your shape or form. So they're trying to get a better hold on this ticket situation. Uh, they wrote in part in their statement, "Quote: We've heard you and we've learned from our missteps with this particular t- ticket on sale." We all huddled at Metallica headquarters now working out a plan to give every one of you the most fair and equal chance at obtaining tickets and do everything possible to keep the bots from getting any. So uh, that's good. At least they're aware of it and they're trying to do something about it. So hopefully they can do that stuff for future on sales. I think bands of their stature need to have their own ticketing agencies like Fish and Tool and um, Pearl Jam. Those guys do their own thing and they do it well and none of the bots really get those tickets. So... They should try and follow in their footsteps, I think, anyway. 
Alright, moving on to some more rock news. Check this out. But this is a funny story. Uh, Sharon Osbourne apparently once propositioned friend star Matt LeBlanc for a threesome with Ozzy. What? <laughs> okay, so Matt LeBlanc was on Conan this week. He said this on the interview on, if you go watch it on Conan, it's on there. He says he was backstage at the Golden Globes, where he had just won an award for his role on Episodes, and it was there that Sharon propositioned for a threesome with her and Ozzy. LeBlanc recalled on Conan, he said, quote, I run into Sharon and I say, my God, I'm such a big fan of your husband's. He's so awesome. And this is, uh, and then he says, this is what she says to me with a completely straight face. Immediately, she goes, oh, that's great. Maybe after this, you'll come back to the house and we'll have a threesome. <laughs> the actor went on to say that hopefully Sharon was kidding, to which Conan O'Brien said with a straight face, I will tell you she was not. <laughs> what do you think? Was she, was she joking or not? I think she was serious. I think she's being a cheeky monkey. I yeah. think she was being cheeky as well. All right. That she British, likes she that, likes to mess with people. That British cheekiness. She said uh, she addressed it on the, the talk the next day, and that was yesterday. She said, quote, I was kidding-ish. If he had gone for it, I've called, I would have called up my husband. I would have loved to have filmed it. <laughs> I bet you would have, Sharon. How you doing, Ozzy? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> How you doing indeed? When you're about to saddle up and tread that rusty terrain, you need a brand of drink you can rely on. And when you reach across to grab that drink from your compadre on that dusty trail, it's better be something that's made from the heart. And when you open up that mix of taurine and tiger's tears, know that Balljack is there with you. Hell yeah! America. Balljack has been disputedly bringing its tasty, energizing mix to the mouths of dusty trailblazers like you since 1863. You're goddamn right! Don't leave your America. dusty trailmate hanging. Reach over and grab his Balljack. He's waiting for you to quench that dusty trailblazing thirst with his ball jack. Woo! Ball Great. jack, the drink of dusty trailblazers. Reach for it today. All right, let's move on to On This Day in Music History Trivia, March 29th, 1975, guys. Flashback to 1975. This band becomes the first band in history to have six album entries on the Billboard 200 Albums chart all charting at the same time. Was it A, the Beatles, B, the Rolling Stones, or C, Led Zeppelin? What do you guys think? I'm going to go with the Beatles. Beatles, huh? Okay. I think it was the Zepp. Any explanation behind your guys' uh, decisions for our listeners? Well, I mean, in 1975, they were still pressing, like, the White Album, and they were still pressing, you know, all the Beatles records. So it's possible they could have still been selling. What? When was the last Beatles album? Seventy-three. Uh, Abbey Road was sixty-nine, uh, seventy. Seventy. Yeah. Okay. It was recorded before Let It Be, but it was released after it. Ah, okay. All right. So, okay. So, Dahlia, you're going with the Beatles. Yep. George's going with Zeppelin. What is it? It was Led Ooh, Zeppelin. Ooh, the winner. Led Zeppelin ding, becomes ding, the ding, first ding. band in history to have six entries on the Billboard 200 album charts at once. Their latest release at this time was Physical Graffiti. It was number one on this day in 1975. And their previous five albums also on the chart. Led Zeppelin 4 at 83, Houses of the Holy at 92, Zeppelin 2 at 104, 
their debut at 116 and Led Zeppelin 3 at 124. Wow. They also rarely release singles, which uh, helps them boosting their album sales very different from the Beatles. The Beatles released a ton of singles. Led Zeppelin did not, and thus their album sales kind of went a little bit through the roof. Different time, you know? Different time back then. Didn't have a lot of singles and shit. All right. This was uh, an interesting sports minute that I wanted to mention. There's a lot of hoopla going on for the NCAA this weekend, and I was watching. I thought it was really interesting. On ABC, out of all the channels, there was an eSports game going on for Overwatch League, which there's it's a video game called Overwatch, and... This is uh they they have franchises in the U.S., China, South Korea, Canada, France, England. Esports uh, is if anybody doesn't know, it's spectators watch players compete in video games. It's surging in popularity around the world. They have just built a huge stadium in Philadelphia. It's a three thousand five hundred seat arena and will be home to the Fusion Esports team that the Philly-based company owns which is one of 20 teams in this Overwatch League. That was on over the weekend on ABC, primetime, and I just thought that was kind of crazy. It was on at the same time as the NCAA championship, same time as football and all the other stuff, but now it's eSports on there, and uh, I thought that was kind of crazy. Are, you, are your kids into video games at all, George, at their age? Oh, not so much anymore. They went. They both went through like a Minecraft phase a handful of years ago. And right. Yeah, no, they like movies now. Yep, yep. Yeah. I know, at their age, I had dropped the controller when I was like 10 or 12, and then I just didn't pick it up for quite some time, but I'm a gamer now in my later life as well. I've always been a, been a fan of that stuff, so it's kind of cool to see at least people can get paid now and make a career out of it just like anybody else, you know, if you're good at something and people want to oh, yeah. watch you play it, and I think it's pretty neat, so congrats to them. Um, all right, movie, TV, and entertainment news this week. Universal's Us. We still need to see it, Dahlia. We need to go out and we're, see it. We're going this weekend. Okay, yes. we're going this weekend. Have you seen it, George? No. Uh, that that new one, the Jordan Peele horror movie, uh, where it's apparently that other family that... Have you heard about it? No. It's like a, a family takes a vacation. I think it's to Santa Cruz's Beach Boardwalk. Yeah. And uh, they run into this other family that looks exactly like them, but twisted a little bit. And they want to kill him, apparently. Wow. Judging by the trailer. It's like this family like comes to their little vacation home and they're like standing in the driveway and they look just like them and they're like they got like a pair of scissors and they look all weird and crazy. So it looks kind of creepy. Trip. Yeah, so here's the deal. They set a new record. It broke the record for an opening original horror film surpassing a quiet place and is now the second best opener this year behind Captain Marvel. They yeah, so pretty pretty impressive. Uh, check out this though. This was one of the highlights of the movie tenor, uh, TV entertainment news for the week. For me this week, Iggy Pop, Tom Waits, the RZA, and more to star in Jim Jarmusch's new zombie film. It's called The Dead Don't Die, and it's also starring Bill Murray, Selena Gomez, Adam Driver, Tilda Swinton, Steve Buscemi, Sturgill Simpson, Danny Glover, Rosie Perez, and more. Isn't that doesn't that sound awesome already? Interesting. Chloe well, we Savini. Love- we yeah. love Jim Jarmusch, so... Well, I love all those actors as well. If this is well. the new Jim Jarmusch film, then I'm interested. It's not the first time that he's worked with all of these guys. Of course, uh, Iggy Pop was in Jim Jarmusch's 1995 film Dead Man with uh, Johnny Depp. Uh, Tom Waits starred in Down by Law. Riz Scordon appeared in his 1999 film Ghost Dog with um, 
Forrest Whitaker. That was a great fucking movie. Also, uh, the Coffee and Cigarettes, which was a bunch of collection of short films, the RZA and the Jizza were in that one with Bill Murray. So very cool. Uh, so it's going to uh, be uh, Jim Jarmusch's first film since his documentary on the Stooges' Gimme Danger, which was also pretty neat uh, back in 2016. So cool, cool, cool. Uh, moving on to world news. Uh, still, all of our listeners in the Midwest, man, positive vibes your way. I hope everything's yes, going good for you guys. Positive vibes your way. Uh, because more snow and rain are on the way for Nebraska, Colorado, and South Dakota two weeks after a so-called bomb cyclone pummeled much of the Midwest. I've been seeing photos of the flooding and stuff it's just insane millions of acres of land are still underwater uh, in missouri kansas iowa at least eight sites in three states identified as superfund contamination sites are inaccessible and they were saying that all the well water is starting to get poisoned at a lot of these places which is just horrible uh so hopefully you guys just be safe out there and stay in touch with your loved ones and make sure everybody knows you're safe uh all right coming up in local news Avocados here in California being recalled in six states uh, across the nation, but they are from our California-based company, Henry Avocado Corporation, after Listeria was found in a routine inspection. It's a voluntary recall. No illnesses having been reported so far, but they were distributed in Arizona, Florida, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Wisconsin. They're called Henry Avocado Corporation, so look out for it uh, and just be aware. Just throw them away. Get some better ones. Uh, All right, weekly what the fuck this week is some pretty crazy shit. I didn't want to include the photo of the rat, but these UK prison guards have found rodents sewn up and stuffed with drugs in the prison yard. (laughs) So what these guys are doing is all this stuff on the table here, which you're seeing cell phones, drugs, marijuana, like uh, pills, uh, charger cords, SIM cards, all kinds of shit. They, they hollow out these rats, their bodies, and and sew them up with these things, and they throw the rat into the prison yard over the, from over the fence, right? And then somebody in the yard picks it up, and I guess the guards were finding these torn open, empty rats all over the yard. Like, what the hell is this? And they had little sew, sew marks on them. And, oh, my God. Isn't that's, that crazy? That's it's gruesome. Really it's just wild gruesome. the extent that... You know, the prisoners will go through to get their shit, you know. How oh, yeah. big is the rat to fit a cell phone in Pretty there? Pretty fucking big, right? Them big London, UK rats. <laughs> I don't know, man. All right, guys. Check out this uh, idea. Have you heard about this? There was a proposal to turn Alcatraz into a global peace and creative arts center. It may hit the ballot again. Here's an artist rendering. It uh, looks like it's from the 1970s or some it shit. Does. Like one of those novels, right? You know, mm-hmm. like New Utopia by Kurt Vonnegut <laughs> or some right. shit, you know? Right. Uh, so it's an ambitious proposal to reimagine and reconstruct Alcatraz Island here off the coast of California as a global peace and creative arts center. Uh, they Okay, so this has happened before, though. Well, they've got to do something with it. That's it's, a good point. I mean, come It's on. just a tourist attraction an empty prison. Uh, in 2008, so a proposition to transform the federally run island uh, with a dome-shaped building in the center was added to the California ballot despite its lack of legal or financial backing. It was the, the proposal known as Proposition C. It only got 28% of the vote because, you know, like they say, it didn't have any legal or financial backing. People weren't really like, this can't be done, right? So 
This month, a new proposal was put forth calling for the city of San Francisco to acquire Alcatraz from the federal government with the express purpose of transforming Alcatraz Island into a global peace and creative arts center. The text of the proposal is sparse, but it would make the acquisition of the island an official but non-binding policy for San Francisco. What do you guys think? Is that a good idea or no? Well, I'm not interested in going and seeing Alcatraz at all, but I know that people do, and they come from all over. Right, yeah, it is. And they, um, they do say here, here's a number for that, 1.4 million v- visitors annually go. go for the um, Alcatraz Island, and they do get money from that. So you know there are there are Native American groups that um, yeah they've taken that over in the past yeah yeah they want to see it returned to them as their property. I remember that happening in the seventies. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't me personally remembering that, but I I watched a documentary on that and it was really fascinating. And yeah, I think it's interesting. I think they should do something like that, like give it back to the Native Americans, make it something like a. Uh, 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 I don't know, some kind of creative cool center or something. I, I kind of like yeah. that idea, but I don't know. I don't want to be too hippy-dippy about it, but it sounds... It would be kind of neat to have that kind of deal out there, you know, like um, some kind of area where people could go and not be free of the law or anything like that, but maybe... I don't know. As long as they don't build a casino on there, I'm good. <laughs> well, Jeez. Yeah, right? I don't know. Trip. Come to Alcatraz. That would be kind of a trip, man. If it was a like a casino out there, I think that would be kind of neat, actually. But I don't know. Uh, that would be bad. Uh, all right. So this was crazy news this week as well. Did you guys hear about this? The family that owns Krispy Kreme Donuts and Panera uh, giving $11 million to Chinera, a charity after learning of their Nazi history. A family that's one of the richest in Germany and owns a controlling share of Krispy Kreme Donuts and Panera Bread plans to donate $11 million to charity after learning of its Nazi history. Members of the family have been strong supporters of Adolf Hitler and had extensively used forced labor from Russian civilians and French prisoners of war during World War II. It's the Ryman family. They've announced the donation after the German newspaper Bild published a story on the family's past. They didn't even dispute the findings and had themselves been looking into the history before the newspaper report. Those involved were Albert Ryman Sr., who died in 1954, and his son, Albert Ryman Jr., who died in 1984. The company also has controlling shares in Keurig Green Mountain, Pete's Coffee and Tea, Caribou Coffee, and others. So what are they donating this $11 million to? What charity? That's a good point. I I would hope that it would be at least a Jewish charity to Holocaust survivors or something, but I don't know. It doesn't even say. It doesn't mention. I guess I should have done a little research on the uh, charity that they donated to, but... It's almost like, you know, $11 million. It's like, that's nothing, you know, to me. It's like, they probably make that in a year in one of their Panera Bread stores. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a, a, a very big... It's like, just like, here's some It's a PR hush. stunt, kind of. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think, George? Well, I mean, you know... Genuine good effort or PR stunt? When a when an entity like a company is put in a position like that, I mean, they have to... Yeah, they get backed the, in a wall, gesture, backed in the corner, right? You know, because if they don't... They look like a fucking chooch. Right. Yeah. All right. Moving on to some more news. I don't news. know what a chooch is. I've never heard that. A uh, sucker. Oh. A loser. I don't know. Um, all right. Giant mixing truck serving cocktails in Florida. Oh Check this goodness. out. That is an this actual is... truck and mixing... <laughs> what is this? A drink mixer. It's a, it's a huge... Uh, so picture a semi-truck with a huge... 20 
a 2,400-gallon mixer on the back. It looks like one of the cement mixers, but it's apparently for mixing drinks. And this, this week it'll be serving cocktails at various locations in the Orlando, Florida, excuse me, in the Orlando, Florida area. The cocktail consists of this, uh, it's this group, or excuse me, this brand, Monkey Shoulder Whiskey, Mint Simple Syrup, Fresh Lemon Juice, Soda, and Mint Leaves, and they're going to mix it all together in that big thing and give people drinks. I don't know. Wow. It's kind of crazy. Cool stunt. Yeah. Never seen that before. Maybe like the next thing that you'll see at music festivals. <laughs> That's a good idea, truck. right? They should have that at Coachella or some shit. That's a great idea. Yar, you hear that? That's the sound of Mother Nature. She's an uncompromising beast. Think about it. What was the largest mammal in the history of this earth? The blue whale. What did they eat to become the largest beast on the planet? Krill. That's right. We've harnessed the power of the wild and mysterious krill in our new triple baleen filtered krill reserve lager. We filter our beer in a revolutionary baleen strainer, imitating the way blue whales would eat and process their krill. Yar, this is the same process, filters, and extracts all of the seaworthy nutrients your body needs. We only harvest the most wild and exotic krill from one of the most deadly seas on the planet, the Black Sea. Yar! So whether you're fishing for barnacles, sailing the seven seas of cheese, or disposing of unwanted trash or bodies in your nearest lake. Yar, you need an uncompromising lager made of the same nutrients that fuel the beasts of the sea. Krill Reserve Lager. Triple baleen filtered for maximum krill potency. It's not just delicious, it's krillicious. Yar! Uh, Alright, to finish it out tonight, we are uh, going to be doing, uh, for Conspiracy Corner... Why seasonal Reese's cups are better than Reese's peanut butter cups. So here's the deal. Check this out. Dolly's already rolling her eyes. There's a big group of people out there who claim seasonal Reese's treats are better than Reese's peanut butter cups. They offer some pretty solid reasoning too. They, for one, claim that the peanut butter into chocolate ratio is better with the seasonal treats, which are usually blob-shaped. The argument is that the thick edge created by the ridges in a regular Reese's peanut butter cup disrupt the peanut chocolate balance. So check this out. Here's a regular peanut butter cup, right? Five centimeters, four centimeters in diameter. 21 grams, that's what it weighs, right? Here's a Reese's egg. 3.5, 3.75 centimeters by seven centimeters. It's longer and it weighs 35 grams. Here's the deal. The peanut butter filling is more in the peanut butter egg by 19 grams compared to the peanut butter cup at 10 grams. And also, the chocolate ratio is better. Look at how thin the chocolate shell is on the peanut butter egg compared to the cup, which is super thick. What do you think of this, Dahlia? What is this conspiracy here? I don't even eat candy. I don't have a sweet tooth, so I'm I like, don't eat candy. Okay, I really don't. But what do you? So. Just from judging from a finding here, look at it's interesting. Look at that. That's a huge difference. Thirty-five grams and twenty-one grams, and you're paying the same price. If I were like someone who was a connoisseur of the Reese's peanut butter cup, I'd be all over this and be like, I am. I am that person. Stocking up on the egg. And that's what people say is that every time they release a seasonal one, 
they stock up on them because they're better quality. They say it's fresher peanut butter because they're making them fresh, you know, for the season. And the, the ratio is better. They weigh more. So heads up, everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you better get them in April and get these peanut butter eggs because they're not going to be the same <laughs> for the rest of the year. And that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. Check us out, of course, thegaragerockshow.com on 10 different platforms, however you get your podcasts. Give us a like and a follow on our Facebook page as well, facebook.com slash garagerockshow. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Good night, y'all. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents and the design of this podcast are property of the Garage Rock Show or used by TGRS with permission and are protected under U.S. and international copyright and trademark laws. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of The Garage Rock Show. TGRS assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein. This disclaimer is posted in full at thegaragerockshow.com.